I'm Joshua Patterson, and this is a Service Please Snack with Kate Hamilton, co-founder of the exceptional communications agency, Sonder & Tell. Always, whenever I speak to you, you're just extremely um, humble with, I think, what you've achieved in the space of time which Sonder & Tell has been around. And um, you, like, look at some of the work in which you've done, and Rude Health has been one of your clients, <coughs> Mindful Chef, before, didn't really have a form of positioning, story, or even a tone of voice, and you have made that happen. And now, for me, I look at it like, you know, on the table was an, it still is an incredible project in which I'm really looking forward to take forward. Um, so I would look at something like Mindful Chef, and it's like, that's an incredibly successful brand that's getting into a lot of people's homes and doing great things. So I'd just be intrigued, obviously, that's big brands, but if I was like, someone that's started a passion and a love and I'm like oh my god I've like formulating a business here and I'm understanding it and I need to be able to communicate more effectively to the people that I I don't know that are my community mm. really like when should people really start be thinking about their positioning in that sense when should they like be creating a tone of voice or how do they even find what their tone is and also yeah being able to display those stories does it have to always be with written word can it be via, you know, social media and those kind of things, really. Mm. Yeah, one of the things we say at Sonder & Tell when people are starting to think about brands, it's a question we get asked a lot is when should we do this? And we would say brand early rather than often. So as soon as you have the resource to start brand building, do it. Um, and the reason is that it's so competitive at the moment, especially in the food space the barriers to entry are lower than ever you can get capital to start something relatively easier um relatively easy sorry which is a positive thing but it's also made it a lot harder to get cut through and to win in a category or a space essentially and actually the ones that go the distance are the ones that have the best brand and are selling something beyond just a product and actually have you know managed to connect with customers through a sense of shared um identity and values as well um, and when you're starting to think about brand, you've got to really start with the customer and the problem that you're solving for them. So, um, and it's it's never just like, oh, I wanted water to be fizzier, so we made fizzier water. It's more like, what it, what is the mindset that they're struggling with and how can we kind of tap into that? Um, and then building a brand and an identity that that speaks to that so with on the table at the time it was um very much about this person who really wants a way to support independence and wants to feel like they're kind of championing proper produce um, but doesn't necessarily have the time or the know-how to source that for themselves and so that and then that became this whole brand belief in kind of um doing things for in independence and this tone of voice that kind of mirrored the um you know, the local butcher or the baker um, and creating that kind of sense of real connection with with people. So it wasn't just these meal kits and experiences, which are amazing, but the sense of like real people behind it. Um, yeah, and I guess, again, we did rude health positioning and that was more about defining their real difference in a category that's quite crowded. Obviously they had Oatly taking up quite a lot of space and their ownable difference was like their, their product and the the depth of flavor of that so built out this kind of brand world about the bright way to be healthy rather than the right or wrong way um, and again your positioning can shift a little bit depending on new business objectives mindful chef was going into retail so they had slightly different objectives that they wanted to then hit with their tone of voice but you're kind of um, 
yeah, the what you're about and the values in the world you're trying to build. You want to define that as early as possible and then build out from there. And, you know, we start with words at Sondra and Tal, but not at all saying that that's the end point of your brand comms. Like they should be the kind of um, blueprint, I guess, for other activations, whether it's video or, you know, campaigns and advertising. Yeah, you've hit a really interesting point, I think, starting early. But within within the food world, I've I've seen such a change where there used to only be, you know, a few people and now you said it is saturated and it is that point of difference and bringing a true experience I think to to the culinary culinary thing and you know there's burgers everywhere and I, I know for a fact that people are getting the meat from the same person they're getting the cheese from the same person the bread from the same person so what actually is it that one is delivering that's different from others and I think within the food space that's actually where there's going to be a lot of drop-off in the next few years and I think there actually will be a few big contenders that are able and it probably will be the people that get some capital and investment are able to actually amplify their voice a little bit more and be able to reach more people and stuff like that. Yeah, but not just the investment because you have to then have the brand to be able to leverage that investment. Otherwise, mm. you're just getting money and like probably pumping it into improving the product. But without, you know, and investors more and more want to see evidence of brand early as well before mm. investing. Um, yeah, and re I mean, it's interesting for restaurants too. I was thinking about this the other day, like who I actually kind of follow and um, like engage with as a brand beyond just enjoying eating there. So I really like um, Coivadis and St. John's newsletter and both of them, they almost have this kind of, um, like the aspirational target customer is something we talk about at Sondra and Tell quite a lot. And asp aspiration can be quite a loaded word because it has kind of connotations of wealth and things that are exclusive and I don't know if you've watched that Abercrombie and Fitch documentary. Have you watched that recently? No. But it kind of it, it got used very negatively there because they were essentially building this very exclusive um, brand that only really resonated with a very select group of of people. And yeah, and build like you don't. So if you think of your customer not in terms of demographics, like oh they're twenty eight and they live here, but more in terms of the mindset that you want to create for them. And I think. Coivadis uh, and St. John do that really well. Coivadis, especially, like I feel when I go in there, like I'm this like eccentric foodie and like this part of like old world Soho, and I'm not at all. And then when I read these newsletters, I'm like, ooh, like it's all a bit dandy and fabulous, fabulous. You know what I mean? And they're like marketing to that. And um, yeah, we were talking about it on our team the other day. Like Harley Davidson's aspirational customer is the last American cowboy. In reality, ninety percent of their audience are middle-aged dentists who live in Florida. <laughs> but for the five minutes that they ride their motorbike, they are the last American cowboy. And that's kind of what I feel like with someone like Quo Vardis. I'm like, oh, I'm so unusual and eccentric and foodie. And anyway, they do a really good job of kind of catering to this mindset um, and building a world out through that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think those are two really good references. I was just been in St. John's this week. Again, it was just like, um, it's quite funny, Rory, um, who I interviewed at the beginning of this whole series, he had a book published and one of the things that was catalyzed while he was having dinner at St. John's. So I basically did a bit of a like, a book in situ kind of thing and like had a meal to myself and it was like really amazing. And it was just like, I was just been reading up even more on St. John's and it's just like the story behind it was just mm. phenomenal. Um, and even the way in which it continues to be displayed um, it's just fantastic and I think yeah exactly what you're saying it's like really just enriching what mm. it is 
beyond. And I think, yeah, two great references there. I hope you enjoyed that Service Please snack from the full meal. If you're enjoying Service Please, interacting with the channel in any way has a massive effect, either by subscribing, liking, or even commenting on future episodes and topics you'd like to hear spoken about. I'm Joshua Patterson, and that was a Service Please snack.